الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذا دخلتم بجوتا فسلموا على أنفسكم تحية من عند الله مباركة طيبة وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الناس أفشوا السلام وأطعموا الطعام وصلوا الأرحام وصلوا بالليل والناس نيام تدخلوا الجنة بسلام أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سسبكتر الله المائي كرام بردز نلدز Every mu'min, every person who believes in Allah wa ta'ala, believes in akhirat, realizes that life is very, very temporary. We are all on a journey. We are all headed towards the everlasting life of the akhirat. And the final abode and destination of a mu'min is jannat. So every person is aspiring to go to Jannat and to go to Jannat directly. Not to go to Jannat, Allah forbid, via any difficulty, via any punishment, but to gain this direct entry to Jannat. In order to gain this direct entry to Jannat, this requires that a person submits himself entirely to Allah wa ta'ala in the fulfillment of righteous actions, fulfilling the obligations that Allah Ta'ala has placed on him, refraining from all the things that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, both these things go hand in hand, doing what Allah Ta'ala requires of us, and at the same time, refraining from all the things Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. When a person undertakes this, then being insan, he will still sometimes, uh, it is only the Anbiya Ali Musalatu Salam that are masoom, that are sinless. But weak people like us, we might make mistakes, we'll err, uh, we'll slip, we'll fall somewhere. But with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, person then makes tawbah, he sincerely repents, he begs Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, and he carries on. Allah Ta'ala will then make things easy for him and he will inshallah gain this direct, rate, direct entry to Jannat with the fuzzle and karam of Allah Ta'ala. So in principle this direct entry to Jannat is dependent on this fulfilling of the commands of Allah Ta'ala refraining from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. And then Jannat also is a very very great place with limitless Stages of Jannat, Allah Ta'ala has given us innumerable a'mal to enhance the level of this Jannat. When a person sits down to eat, so many people, all they can eat is some dry bread, that's perhaps the only thing available. And he suffices on it, he's got only that. And somebody who can afford better, then he is not prepared to suffice on that dry bread. Then he wants to gain the full satisfaction out of that meal. 
Then he wants to have all the extras and all the luxuries so that he can really have a very sumptuous meal. He's not content with just doing a few things or having just one cause only. He wants to have everything. So when it comes to a person's meals, it comes to his other aspects of life, he wants to have the best. When it comes to his akhirat also, when it comes to his deen also, he should be aspiring for the best, striving to have the best, striving to gain the highest stages and the closeness of Allah ta'ala. Not trying to just suffice on the bare minimum and that bare minimum also is so severely compromised in so many ways. So there are so many things that we have been explained in the Quran Sharif, in the Hadith, so many amal. And every amal is extremely great. Nothing is minor. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, لا تحقرن من المعروف شيئا Don't ever regard any good action as trivial. Don't look down upon it. Don't think this is something by the way. No good action is by the way. Nothing is trivial in deen. Even if it means that you are meeting your brother with a smiling face, that too is a great act which Allah Ta'ala loves. That a person is meeting somebody in a way that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam thought. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, don't even think something trivial about this action also. So every action is very great. But some actions, despite being very great also, but they are very simple. And this is where shaitan sometimes waylays us, that because certain things are very, very simple to do, we take it for granted. This is, well, okay, fine, by the way. And as a result, we deprive ourselves of these things. Whereas the mu'min, just as the person who is eating now, he sees all the extras there, he wants to taste everything. He doesn't leave anything behind. So a mu'min also tries to take the maximum in terms of amal. He doesn't want to be deprived of anything that he can manage to do in some way or the other. Something that he can do, why should he get left out? But this requires a change of mindset. It requires refocusing the heart and mind. What the general situation is, that the heart and mind is focused towards acquiring the best of dunya. As soon as there's some opportunity, the person is ready for it. And the heart and mind is working 24-7 in that regard. Allah forbid, even in the salah also, that's where the heart and mind is. And how a person can maximize the dunya. So now this is that mindset that has to be changed. That focus that has to be realigned. That a person will earn his dunya, but how can he maximize his akhirat? Because dunya, as we said, we are all on a journey. We are all heading towards a destination. Harun Rashid, a very great king, very pious person also. And there was this person in his time known as Bahlul, who was a very pious person, a very great friend of Allah Ta'ala. But people thought him that this person was like a madman, whereas he was mad in the love of Allah Ta'ala. Harun Rashid knew his worth. This person not just an ordinary person. But in any case, he was very informal with him. He used to... Get, give him the audience whenever he wanted. But he was informal with him, he joke with him also sometimes. So one day Harun Rashid in the gathering took out one walking stick. 
and he gave it to Bahlul. He said to Bahlul, keep this, this is an amanat. This is a trust, it's an amanat. The day you find somebody who is a greater fool than yourself, you must give it to him, then you discharge the amanat. So now this became a joke for everyone. All had a hearty laugh. Bahlul took that stick and kept it also. Very well. Amirul Mu'mineen has given me an amanat, now I have to discharge it someday. So he took it and kept it. The moment came and went, everybody forgot about it also, time passed. Harun Rashid once became very ill. Became so ill that people thought that he's perhaps not going to survive. People were coming to visit him. Bahlul also came to visit him. So Bahlul asked him, what is the matter? What's the problem? So he says, you're asking what's the problem? I'm going on a journey, you're asking what's the problem? What is the matter? He says, really? You're going on a journey? He says, yes, I'm going on a journey. So, as your normal procedure is, when you're going on a journey, then you send your whole team ahead of you. They go and see to it that all your arrangements are in place. If you're going to some other place, some across the border somewhere, whatever it is, they'll go before you get there, they'll see to it your accommodation is sorted out, they'll see to it all your arrangements are as you like it, all your food matters are all sorted out, whatever else. So your team has already gone ahead. They said, Arre, Bahlul, this is a place where nobody goes ahead of you. You go yourself. They said, it's very well. What about your security arrangements? Normally before you go, all your security personnel are gone. They go and make sure everything is fine. All the security is in place. So have they gone already? He says, Bahlul, this year no security comes with you. You go on your own. Now, Bahlul very well knew what he's talking about. He pretended not to know what's going on. And each time Harun Rashid gave him this kind of answer that you don't take anybody along here, you don't send anybody ahead of you, Bahlul put another question of that matter. So eventually Harun Rashid asked him that, Bahlul, what kind of talk is this? You know very well where I'm heading to. So when he finally said that, Bahlul took out that walking stick. He had it with him, he took that walking stick out. And he gave it to Harun Rashid. He said, today I have found the recipient for this amanat. That you gave me this amanat that the day I find a bigger fool than myself, I must give it to him. Today I found the recipient for it. You go on a small little journey and even asked him, how long are you going for? He says, I'm going on a journey you don't come back from. So he says, when you go on a small little journey in this dunya and you're going for a few days, but you have so much of arrangements for that beforehand, you send your people ahead of you, you send all your cooks and go and prepare all your meals for you, your security personnel are gone, and all these things take place for the small little journey that you take in this world. Here you are saying you're going on a journey you're not coming back from. And you have made no arrangements for it. You haven't made any preparations for it. I haven't found a bigger fool than this. There's your amanat. This was a lesson that he was giving him. That if you are aware of this reality, that you are on this journey, heading to the akhirat, and once you cross this line from dunya into akhirat, there's no return. And when that line will be crossed, that too is uncertain. It might happen any moment. Every day we hear about it, that how it happened in moments. How somebody was hale and hearty, everything seemed fine, and the next moment he's no more around. We're already talking about the janazah and the mayyid, and we're talking about when the funeral will take place and all the various things that are related to it. We hear about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. But we fail to take that lesson. We don't know when our time is coming. 
So this preparation for that akhirat is what is the most crucial thing. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Salaam says, Al-Kayyisu Mandana Nafsa Wa Amila Lima Ba'd Al-Mawt That a truly intelligent person, a truly intelligent person, every single person likes to be known as intelligent. Everybody feels very good if somebody calls him intelligent. But what is the reality of being intelligent? That Rasulullah is defining. Otherwise, there are many people who are called intelligent in terms of dunya, but their foolishness is of such a level that they are worshipping the cow. They are worshipping an idol. They are worshipping a tree. Now can they be more greater stupidity than this? It's something lifeless and a person worshipping it. But they are called intelligent in dunya. So does that make a person intelligent? So Nabi Islam is defining intelligence. That the true intelligent person is the one who guards his nafs. And he does actions, those actions that will benefit him after death. No harm in doing those things that will benefit him in a positive way in dunya. But he is truly intelligent who does that which will be the long-term investment. The offshore investment which never ever gets any kind of harm in it, any loss in it. Nobody likes to be called a fool. Somebody is called a fool, he feels very insulted, feels degraded, feels humiliated, feels all these things. Nabi Islam is giving us a definition to look at ourselves in this mirror. Which mirror do we find ourselves, our reflection in? One is the mirror of the intelligent which Nabi Islam provided. Do we find our reflection there? Or is our reflection in the mirror where Nabi Islam says, That the fool is a person who follows the desires of his nafs. And on top of that, and he's still harboring very great hopes. Everything will come right, don't worry. When it comes to dunya, he doesn't just lay sitting around, just lazing around and saying, no worry, everything will happen. That shop will run on his own. When it comes to dunya, then he is at the forefront of it. Without me, it won't happen. If I'm not there, everything will come to a stop. I have to be there. So without him, the dunya won't work. And akhirat, everything will just come right without him doing anything. This Nabi Islam says, That the fool is a person who follows his desires and he is still having big hopes and wishes that everything will come right. So this is the aspect that we have to focus on, that how to maximize the akhirat. And as we mentioned, that there are some amal which are very simple. Nothing is small, nothing is trivial, but they are very simple. And these simple amal have such great bounties in it, blessings in it, such great benefits in it, that to deprive oneself of this is something that is only really getting deprived. When Rasulullah made hijrat from Makkah Mukarramah to Madinah Munawwara, and among the first addresses to the Sahaba, among the first times that he addressed the Sahaba Ikram, this is 
The incident that is mentioned by Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu ta'ala he says, I just heard Nabi Islam has arrived. So I rushed. He also rushed and came. He was in his garden plucking the fruit. And when he heard, he came running. So any case when he came, he says that the first thing I heard Rasulullah say. So this is right at the beginning of time in Madinah Munawwara. While in Bakka Mukarramah, there wasn't this opportunity to build this Islamic society as such. Because the Muslims were small in number, they completely dominated, being persecuted, and all the various difficulties were being put on, upon them. So in Makkah Mukarramah, it was a situation of survival. Madinah Munawwara, now was the time when the society was possible to build. In Makkah Mukarramah, individuals were being prepared. But the society was difficult to create as a society, as a community. Everybody was now under this persecution. Madinah Munawwara, now this became the place of refuge. And now this is the opening address. And among the things that Nabi Islam is explaining are the foundations of this society. What is going to be the foundations on which this society is going to be built? It's obvious he is addressing the Sahaba Ikram, the Muhajirin and Ansar. So they are people with Iman. So without the foundation of Iman, nothing is going to stand. That goes without saying. But then as a society and community, what are the foundations? Now, this is among the first things that Nabi Islam is teaching. Outwardly it seems just some amal, but these are foundations of that society. So Nabi Islam addresses them, Abdullah bin Salam is reporting, he says, I heard Nabi Islam say, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, Afshus Salam. This is among the first teachings in Madina Munawara. Afshus Salam. Make Salam common. Spread Salam. Now, salam is Salam. Person makes Salam, he doesn't even give it a second thought because it's like a customary thing. And that too is something that a person just does it without giving much thought to it. So often it's not even done. Not at all. And people are greeting others with the greetings of people without Iman. Just in order to emphasize the point and especially when talking to students and so on to emphasize the point of how great Salam is and how futile other ways of greeting are. So to just make it sit in the heart and mind the example that is normally given to them is that when people greet one another they say hi you don't really know what the person is talking about is he asking the person in front of him how high you are or what is he saying which high is talking about nobody knows really so that is how futile that greeting is how meaningless and the greeting the Quran Sharif gave us that makes salam. You enter your house, make salam. Tahiyyatan min indillah, mubarakatan tayyiba. It's a greeting from the side of Allah Ta'ala. Filled with barakat. Pure greeting. But this pure greeting filled with barakat, that is something which we so often just neglect. This is the first lesson Nabi Islam is giving. And in another hadith sharif, Nabi Islam gives a link to this. 
that you will not enter Jannat until you have Iman. You will not be able to perfect your Iman until you have love for one another. Without this mutual love and muhabbat, your Iman will not be perfected. And then Nabi Islam gives the prescription, should I not tell you something, if you adopt this, then you will create this muhabbat and love of shus salama baynakum. Make salam common. We are currently in the days of hajj. And we have wished many a person hajjul mabroor. Allah ta'ala grant you hajjul mabroor. Indeed, it's a very great dua. This is something which Nabi Islam has mentioned in the hadith sharif. That al-hajjul mabroor laysa lahu jazaun illa al-jannah. Person who performs hajj in a manner that it is mabroor. And the reward for that and the compensation for that is only jannat, nothing else, nothing lesser than that. So such a great thing, hajjah mabroor. So sahaba inquired, what is this bir? What will make it mabroor? So there are three things mentioned, two in one narration, another in another narration. Of the three things, one of the aspects, the first aspect mentioned was, ifshaw salam. Person is going for Hajj. It's obvious he's going to fulfill the rights of Hajj. One of the basic things, Ifshaw Salam. Making Salam common. He's going to be with strangers. He don't know who the person is. He knows only a fraction of the people there. From the one million people, he might not even know one thousand. So he doesn't even know zero comma one percent. But he's being told, make Salam common. Spread Salam. All strangers make Salam you'll make your hajj mabroor. And a very major disaster that lurks within a person, that takes him to a disaster, a very major malady of the heart, which is pride, which is that atom bomb, that when it explodes, then there is no, nothing can then come in the way of Saving the person from that destruction. Unless he truly, sincerely turns to Allah Ta'ala and eliminates his pride. Otherwise, when pride takes over, then everything is lost. This is what dropped shaitan from the pedestal that he was on. He was Azazil, Mu'allimul Malaika, the teacher of the Malaika in the heavens. And pride, when pride came in, it dropped him so badly that he became mardud fa innaka rajim. He became accursed forever and ever. It was the pride. Pride came in, totally dropped him. When pride comes in, then everything else is in danger. And the prescription Rasulullah is giving that. If a person wants to remove this pride, there are many things, it's not one thing only, but one prescription Nabi Islam is giving, that al-baadi ubis salam bari ummin al-kibr, the one who initiates the salam, the one who keeps initiating the salam, he'll become free of the pride. Might sound like a very straightforward, simple thing, but especially when a person has got some problem with somebody, and now suddenly they are going to be having to walk past each other, then suddenly that salam becomes like a mountain. And the person who takes that courage to make that salam and initiate it, see what it does to his heart. How it removes a whole burden from that heart. It cleanses that heart.
Al-Badi'u bis-salam. The one who initiates salam. Such a simple thing. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't take any effort. Yet sometimes it becomes more than any effort to make salam to somebody he's not in good terms with. Then it becomes more than climbing a mountain. But Nabi Islam is saying, Al-Badi'u bis-salam. The one who initiates that salam. What a simple amal. And this Nabi Islam is giving as the opening, among the opening advices in Madinah Munawwara. So can we imagine how important it is, how deep it is. It is the foundation of a society, of a healthy society, of a society where there is this mutual love and muhabbat. When the salam is made sincerely, when this dua is given to one another sincerely, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. As-salam, salam is one of the names of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. So in other words, you are invoking the Blessings of Allah Ta'ala for him. That may Allah be with you. What a dua. May Allah Ta'ala be with you. And the other is salamati. May every kind of peace and safety be for you. And then the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Blessings from Allah Ta'ala. What a wonderful greeting. There is nothing that can come anywhere close to it. So, this is the first advice Nabi Islam gave. Afshus salam. The second advice, ta'am, Feed one another. Feed. How much to feed? No restriction in that. A person can feed like we hear in the month of Ramadan, the virtue of feeding a fasting person. Maybe Islam says, you feed him one date also, you'll get that reward. Feed him a sip of water too, you'll get the reward. No qualification. Must be so much. Must be in a certain style. Must be in a certain manner. And when that becomes a part of Something that we make necessary upon ourselves. That if you have to invite somebody, it has to be done in a certain style, in a certain manner, at a certain level, then we make things difficult upon ourselves. And when things become difficult upon ourselves, we then deprive ourselves of these great amal. Because it becomes difficult. How often a person can sustain that? When it's being done in a very, very luxury manner and now the cost involved and then the work involved and the time involved. You can do it once in a while. You can't do it more than that. But if it's simple, if it's simple you can do it repeatedly. So once in a while you do it, fine. But generally to keep it simple. Generally to keep it simple he'll be able to do it happily more and more. When simplicity will go out of the life, generosity will also follow it. Because it becomes hard to be generous. So in any case, Nabi Islam is teaching, at'imu ta'am, feed. Again, coming to feed somebody doesn't mean anything of a certain quantity, of a certain quality, whatever a person can manage. But what it does again, it creates that muhabbat. It creates those bonds. person has invited some relative, invited some friend, some neighbor, whoever it is, or he's sharing something across. In time, this builds that muhabbat. It builds that bond. It unites the hearts. This is that foundation of that society that's getting laid. Without this bond, that society would be no society. It will be a community which is not a community. Everybody is for himself. So feeding people. person feeds somebody... That person will eat, he's really eating what was his risk. 
He's eating what Allah Ta'ala decreed for him. But Allah Ta'ala makes somebody the means of it and then gives him the reward for it. Allah Ta'ala's gracious, Allah Ta'ala's grace on the person, Allah Ta'ala fed somebody through him and rewarded him for it. Then that food turns into energy in that person's body. He'll do some righteous amal with it, he'll perform his salah, he'll make tilawat with the Quran Sharif, he'll do some other good work, he'll invite people towards deen. As long as that energy is running in him, whoever became the means of that energy will also share in that reward. What a simple thing. And yet how much to gain out of it? So Nabi Islam ta'am. And then the third thing Nabi Islam mentioned was Wasilul Arham. Again we're talking about the society. That join family ties. Join family ties. If we look into the ahadith, in fact we look right into the Quran Sharif first and foremost, that the emphasis that has been laid on maintaining family ties, this is perhaps more than many, many other things. In the Quran Sharif in so many places, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the rights of the relatives. Give the relative his right. And in family, obviously the pinnacle of it all is one's parents. So that Allah Ta'ala mentions only next to his own ibadat. Allah Ta'ala has decreed upon you, you worship him alone. And immediately thereafter, that you be kind to your parents, you deal with them correctly, kindly, with compassion, with mercy, make dua for them, maintaining family ties. And there's so many ahadith pertaining to this, and the rewards that are mentioned for it. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu says, Man ahabba ayyub satalahu fi rizqi, wa yun sa'alahu fi athari, fal yasil rahima. Which the crux of it is, the person wants barakat in his life, barakat in his health, in his, in his wealth. Barakat in his life and wealth, then the prescription for yasil rahimah, he should maintain family ties, join family ties. This is the prescription Nabi Islam is giving for this barakat. Ask many things. The person, you want this, there's a chance he'll hesitate. You want barakat in your wealth, nobody will hesitate, everybody wants it. So this is a prescription Nabi Sallallahu is giving. Barakat in one's life, barakat in one's wealth, joining family ties. And this has been emphasized in such a way, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala he used to help one cousin of his who was a very poor person. Very, very destitute. And he was his cousin. There was an incident that took place the incident of ifk, which is a lengthy incident, but the crux of it is that Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, there was a false accusation made against her, which very severely disturbed Rasulullah sallallahu because no wahi had come for a good number of days, and as a result it was not, there was no evidence of what was the reality, though there was complete confidence, but the evidence was not there, and now this accusation was being, the slander was being made. 
Aisha obviously was very, very seriously affected. Abu Bakr was her father. So can we imagine how seriously the parents were affected? Their daughter is being slandered in this way. Any case, is a lengthy incident. Eventually, an entire ruku of the Quran Sharif was revealed. And in this ruku, Allah Ta'ala mentioned the chastity of Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And cleared her name completely. Can you imagine the Quran Sharif is being revealed to clear her name? What is her position? So when this matter became clear, so this person, this Mista, was the cousin of Abu Bakr who was being helped financially by Abu Bakr He also had somehow become unwittingly involved, which is often the case, unfortunately, when we don't take care about saving ourselves from just becoming party to any kind of gossip, any kind of rumor mongering. Somebody has just said something, so now we press one button. One button we press, forward to all. That all is Allah knows best how many. And the press of one button, we made sometimes 200 ghibat. Press of one button, that 200 ghibat, then those 200 people, Allah knows best how many, all they sent it to. So by the time that finished off a few days later, we got the sin of maybe a few thousand ghibat. And ghibat is, the Quran Sharif says, worse than eating or like eating the flesh of one's dead brother. The person has passed away after he has now passed away after some time the body starts it starts uh, rigor mortis they call it it starts rotting. So can we imagine that what happens the condition of the body then that stench and that rotten flesh and a person eating of that, that is the picture the Quran Sharif is depicting. That rotten flesh, which is with that stench, can't be imagined. Ghibat is like that, or worse than that. And now at the press of one button, a person is committing not hundreds, sometimes thousands of ghibat over time. So in any case, he didn't verify things. Obviously, there was no truth to it. And he became involved in passing this message on. So, he also was punished for this. But in any case, when this ayat, these ayat were revealed, and the truth was now clear, that this was all a slander, Abu Bakr now was very disturbed. This is my cousin. So number one, this kinship, this family ties itself should have made him think first. Then I help him also. And despite that help, he still didn't consider that too, that I've been given this assistance and yet I'm now going to be disgracing these people in this way. There's no truth in it, not in verifying it. So he was very disturbed, he was very hurt about it. That his daughter was being slandered and this person became involved in it to some extent. So he took a qasam. The qasam he took, I will never give Mista anything in future. He was hurt. But this is the tarbiyat that the Quran Sharif made of the Sahaba Ikram and of Hazrat Abu Bakr. The Quran Sharif made his tarbiyat. The Sahaba went through a phase of tarbiyat. And then they came to the point of receiving the certificate. Radiyallahu anhum wa Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah Ta'ala. So they came through this training and the Quran Sharif trained them. 
He took this qasam, I won't give Mista one cent in future. Allah Ta'ala revealed the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. وَلَا يَأْتَلِ أُلُوا الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَيُّؤْتُوا First thing, أُلِي الْقُرْبَى Those of people who are people of grace, and people who Allah Ta'ala has given some abundance, they should never take such an oath that they will not give أُلِي الْقُرْبَى their relatives. Now can we imagine what a severe situation but Siddiq Akbar is a person of that caliber. He is being told despite this severe situation, despite this backstabbing as you may, we may term it, despite whatever has been done, but you still maintain your position. You don't take such a qasam. You don't ever take such an oath that you won't give your relatives and the poor and those who have migrated in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Wal ya'fu wal yasfahu. Forgive and overlook. Forgive and overlook. So this is that relatives, right of relatives, kinship, which unfortunately nowadays is something that it just doesn't matter. If it's there, it's fine. If it's not there, it doesn't matter. Whereas it matters very greatly in the court of Allah Ta'ala. It matters much in dunya also. When this family kinship is maintained, then the barakat comes. When this is broken, it comes in some hadith that a person who has broken off relationship, then the entire community gets deprived of the rahmat. So this is the third thing Nabi Islam emphasized. Fasilul arham. And the fourth thing, Fasallu bil wa nasu niyam. That perform salah at night when people are sleeping. Now these are all amal we are talking about. On the one hand, nothing is minor, but all so simple. There's nothing to it. There's no cost involved, really. There's no effort. It's all very, very easy to undertake. And now the fourth thing Nabi Islam is saying, that was, Sallu bil-layl wa nasu niyam. On the one side, the society is being built. These are the foundations of a healthy society. Salam. When a person is making salam sincerely, his heart is clean. So that hearts are clean. There is this bond of muhabbat. And which is being enhanced with this mutual feeding. And then these family ties are being maintained. So can we imagine what a healthy society that is? But together with this, these are all fulfilling the hukukul ibad. But that person will be able to truly fulfill hukukul ibad who also is conscious of the right of Allah Ta'ala. And who is conscious that he will have to answer to Allah Ta'ala. So to keep building his bond with Allah Ta'ala and to enhance that bond with Allah Ta'ala, Nabi Islam is saying, وَصَلُّوا بِاللَّيْرِ وَالنَّاسُ نِيَامِ That perform salah in the dead of night when others are sleeping. Now who is being addressed? The Sahaba Ikram. There is... There was no way that could be imagined that any Sahabi would be missing out his first Salah deliberately. That was something unimaginable. So therefore that didn't gain any mention because you don't talk about something and that is obvious. You'll encourage it somewhere obviously, but it doesn't always get that kind of mention necessarily because it's there, it's, un- it's known. This is something obvious. And this is one of the reasons why you won't find anywhere in the hadith 
What is the ruling regarding a person who has missed his salah deliberately? Does he ha- will he have to perform the qaza or not? In that era, what was the concept? In that era, the concept was mantaraka salatan muta'amidan faqad kafara. The one who deliberately missed out his salah, faqad kafara. He has committed kufr. That was the concept. Because in that time and era, it was only the bunafik that missed out the salah deliberately. Nobody else. So this was a sign of nifaq only. So there was no question about if a person deliberately missed his salah, what is the qaza? Yes, if a person slept away, overslept by chance. He somehow just forgot. That didn't, the time just passed. He wasn't conscious of it. Before he knew it, suddenly he realized the time has passed. It was asar. He performed his asar before he knew it. Or, the, or he did, had to perform his asar. Suddenly he heard the maghrib azan. By chance it happened. That is possible. That was possible that time also. It was possible. Therefore Nabi Islam explained that. Man nama an salatihi aw nasiyaha fal yusalliha idha dhakaraha. The person just by chance overslept. Or he somehow just forgot. Just genuinely forgot. So what he must do? Forget about it also? No, he must make up for it. As soon as he realizes it, his eyes open. He must now make up for that. He must make the qaza for it. Once in Nabi Sallallahu lifetime this happened to him, Allah Ta'ala made it happen. So that the ummah will learn how to perform the qaza. So while on a journey, Nabi Sallallahu it was the last part of the night, late in the night, Nabi Sallallahu stopped. Everybody stopped. Nabi Sallallahu started some salah. Before that he asked, after having completed, who is going to stay awake because everybody is very tired, all are going to go to sleep. Who is going to stay awake to wake everybody up for Fajr? Because Bilal the volunteered. Any case, Nabi Sallallahu performed some salah, he also went to rest. Bilal the remained awake. And now when it was about time for Fajr to come in, he decided to now just sit and face the horizon from where the Fajr will become, dawn will become apparent. And as soon as he sees dawn breaking, he'll wake everybody up. So he sat in that direction and there was something behind him, a, some wagon or whatever it might have been. So he leant on it, waiting to just see what's, as soon as dawn breaks. But he was also so tired, as soon as he just leant behind, before he knew it, he had fallen asleep. And the next thing was that the sun had risen. And the first person to wake up was Rasulullah And he woke up in a shock. Nowadays a person puts the alarm on for after Fajr time. And doesn't wake up with any concern. Allah's Nabi Wasallam, for whom this already was announced, He woke up with a shock. Bilal, what has happened? Bilal woke up with a shock. Ya Rasulullah, that being who held back your, your life, while you were asleep, he held back my life also. Allah Ta'ala caused the sleep to come over me also. Nabi Sallallahu says to everybody, immediately everybody moved from here. Went ahead to some point further down. Made everybody stop. Now first we perform our qaza of fajr. And Nabi Sallallahu says, that was a place where the effect of shaitan was. Therefore we moved away from there immediately. Can you imagine repeatedly salah is being missed in a house? Deliberately, what effects of shaitan will come? Allah's Nabi Islam is present, Hazrat Abu Bakr is present, Hazrat Umar is present, the Sahaba are present, 
the beast asked, said, don't stay here, we move away from here immediately, the effects of shaitan are in this place. Rewaite of Bukhari Sharif. So in any case, Nabi Islam made the qaza. So if a person by chance missed that salah, then that qaza is being taught to him. And if he missed it deliberately, like if a person forgot to pay somebody that money, which he borrowed from him, so it's a debt, so he forgot to pay it. So when he remembers now, does it mean because he forgot for five years, so now it's written off, he'll have to pay it. So Allah forbid, he decided he doesn't want to pay it. But then the consciousness came that no, it was a wrong thing to do. So now does it mean because he made a decision not to pay it, it's wiped out? He still has to pay it. The debt is still on his head. So this is a debt. The debt of Allah Ta'ala. But unfortunately in the times that we are, all kinds of confusion are being spread from time to time. A person has got years of qaza left. He's been taught, oh, don't worry, this is all done now. It's all written off. You don't have to worry about it. And because we want to hear anything and everything from anyone and everyone, so people latch onto it because now that's the easy way out. To deprive themselves from, people deprive themselves from so many things in the name of deen, deprive themselves of 12 rakats of tarawih salah, only 8 is enough. Don't have to make qaza, that to deprive themselves of, deprive themselves of the topi also, that too is not, in, not necessary. Deprive themselves of surah yasin in the morning, that too got no virtue and benefit. So it's a mahroom jamaat, what else can... So, unfortunately, all these confusions get spread, and we just take anything that comes, and before we know it, we are far off the track. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So in any case, we were discussing this aspect of, that the sahaba ikram were, dis- were being addressed, and there was no question of missing the first salah. Nabi Islam was talking to them about tahajjud also. That make this tahajjud salah. Very great ibadat. Now, some of us might feel, um, all of us maybe, or most of us rather, might feel that this is beyond me. Those servants of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala give them tawfiq, alhamdulillah, they wake up. But the rest of us, so Allah Ta'ala hasn't deprived any one of us. While the real tahajjud is the last part of the night. And that is the real time. And that is the time where Allah Ta'ala himself calls out, is there anybody seeking forgiveness, I may give him forgiveness. Anybody seeking a solution to his problems, I may give him the solution. That's the main time of dua. But if a person doesn't have that himmat, the starting point, after his isha salah, two rakats with the niyat of qiyamul layl. Kullu ma ba'dal isha Any nafil after isha, inshallah, will be counted as part of qiyamul layl. He'll get the reward. The real benefit is in the last part of the night. But this is the entry level. He'll still get the reward, he'll get the basic benefits. So how simple this is also. It'll take us two, three minutes to perform two more rakats. We normally spend five minutes outside talking something, maybe ten minutes. The three, four minutes, nothing will get lost. We'll gain a lot. So that too becomes so easy to acquire. On the one hand, we've been taught about hukukul ibad, fulfilling the rights of people, and enhancing our closeness to Allah wa ta'ala. Obviously our salah, first salah, there is no question about missing it, let alone missing the salah. No question about missing the salah with jama'ah. Unless there is a valid shari'i reason for that. Otherwise that jama'ah is also wajib. For males to perform that salah in the masjid with jama'ah, this is extremely important. Very highly emphasized. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala an, he addressed the sahaba and he said to them, وَلَوْ صَلَّيْتُمْ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ If you perform your salah in your homes, وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَسَاجِدَكُمْ and you leave the masjid, 
and you make your salah at home. لَتَرَكْتُمْ سُنَّةَ نَبِيِّكُمْ You have left the way of your Nabi And وَلَوْ تَرَكْتُمْ سُنَّةَ نَبِيِّكُمْ لَضَلَلْتُمْ And if you leave the way of your Nabi you'll go astray. This is how severe it is. So that obviously goes without saying. Together with that, to try and make this little effort to perform at least these two rakats after the Isha and try to wake up in the last part also. Allah Ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. These simple amal which are filled with so much of good in it, so much of blessings in it, and without any effort we can be taking these great rewards. Nabi Islam says, do these things, tadkhulul jannata bi salam. You'll enter jannat easily and peacefully, without any difficulty. Allah Ta'ala grant us all the direct entry into jannat. Allah Ta'ala protect us from every fitna, every mischief of shaitan, all the difficulties of dunya and akhirat. Allah Ta'ala give us this direct jannat. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Make zikr for a few minutes and do it. وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل لا إله إلا الله 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 لا إله 
صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم دل میرا ہو جائے ایک میدان ہوں تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آب و گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفسو شیپا دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناماسیہ تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخشتے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بستا دم آخر وردے زبائے میرے الہ لا الہ الا اللہ 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 لا الہ اللہ 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 
enable us to ya Allah speak to you in dua daily Allah ilahu lalamin ya Allah put the love of deen in our hearts ya Allah put the love of the efforts of deen in our hearts ya Allah accept us for the efforts of deen ya Allah ilahu lalamin ya Allah ya Allah throughout the world ya Allah ya Allah wherever deen efforts are taking place ya Allah accept it ya Allah make it a means of hidayat ya Allah ilahu lalamin istimad it to take place ya Allah make it a means of great khair ya Allah accept it ya Allah make it a means of hidayat ya Allah ilahu lalamin ya Allah make it a means of your mercy descending ya Allah ilahu lalamin ya Allah ya Allah save us from all the fitna and fasad ya Allah save us from all the temptations of nafs and shaitan ya Allah save us from the traps of nafs and shaitan ya Allah ilahu lalamin ya Allah keep us on sirat mustaqim ya Allah keep us on the way of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya Allah grant us the love of his mubarak way of life ya Allah enable us to adopt his mubarak way of life ya Allah remove the ways of yahud and nasara from our lives ya Allah Ilahu lalamin, all those are sick with them, shifai kamila, adila, mustamirra, daima. Remove every trace of their illnesses, ya Allah. Those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Those in financial difficulties, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's risk, ya Allah. Grant halal and tayyib risk, ya Allah. Save us from every drop and every grain of haram, ya Allah. Ilahu lalamin, ya Allah. All those who have passed away, make their complete maghfirat, ya Allah. Give them the highest stages in the akhirat, ya Allah. Ya Allah, the time of our death, take us with the kalima, la ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah Allah take us on iman kamil ya Allah take us on tawbah and nasuh ya Allah Allah take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you ya Allah Allah make our qabr's gardens of jannah for us ya Allah grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Allah give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning ya Allah ilahul alamin ya Allah Allah you grant us the tawfiq of all the good amal ya Allah save us from all the vices and sins ya Allah Allah purify us from all the evils ya Allah save us from the sins of the eyes ya Allah Save us from the sins of the ears and tongue, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the hands and feet, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts from all sin, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts from the pride, Ya Allah. Remove the arrogance from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the malice and jealousy from our hearts, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the Quran Sharif, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Salah, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Deen, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who asked us to make dua for them, all those who have raised their hands with this dua, Ya Allah, you fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's jai's needs from the ghaib, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, fill all our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Make us a true and obedient servant, Ya Allah. Make us a true ummatis of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, begged for, we are also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you save us as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min shari masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi Sayyiduna Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi ma'in wa alhamdulillah